Welcome to Ono, Ross, and Carrie, the show where we don't just report on fringe science, spirituality, claims of the paranormal, but take part ourselves. Yep. When they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. I'm Ross Botcher. Uh, no. No. Yes, no, I'm not going to allow it. No, you're not. Yes, I am. I am a 35-year-old man. I work at Walt Disney Pictures. Well, then I, I am also Ross Blotcher, and I will leave it to everyone to determine who the <laughs> real Ross Blotcher is. <laughs> but we've got two Ross Blotchers here. You are not Ross Blotcher. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Give her a hard time. All right, that's Carrie Poppy over there. Oh, fine. And we are back getting out of them bodies. Yeah, so we had been to CDP1, CDP2, CDP3, and finally, it took us less time this time. We went back March 10th and 11th, 2018, to complete this consciousness development program at the International Academy of Consciousness and finally graduate out of our bodies. And do you think it'll happen? I hope so. Gosh, I hope so too. Well, let's see. We had a decent amount of people show up this time. Yeah, we did. So we came in and when we got there, there were how many people? Well, I think there were like four when we first got there, including ourselves. So we were half the crowd, but more came in. I think we topped out at seven. Seven the first day. Yep. So our teacher, who we call Maria, we're pretty sure in previous episodes if not, we called If her not, Maria. we're just changing. That would be kind of funny if we just changed her <laughs> name every time. But it's the same teacher you remember from our previous sessions. The woman. She's still there. And she is a volunteer. She makes no money doing this. In my mind, I was thinking, oh, maybe she gets some kind of stipend or something. Because that's so much of your time mm-hmm. to just be sitting in front of the small crowd of people and teaching their course. And everybody there has paid $130 to get in, Mm -hmm. except for me. This time I had to pay $145 because I waited until the morning of to actually purchase my admission. Yeah, whoops, indeed. You'd think some of that would go to the poor teacher. Nope. But I bet that she gets like free classes and membership. There's got to be something. Yeah, got to be C-organ it up. Some out-of-body points mm-hmm. or something. <laughs> so I assume you've listened to our previous out-of-body experience classes. I hope so. This would not be a good place to drop in. Yeah. What are they talking about? This doesn't make sense. Because that's already how we feel. And we have been attending all of them. <laughs> right. Some of these terms make no sense. So she had written up on the board, existential seriality. I'll spell that for you. S-E-R-I-A-L-I-T-Y. So nothing to do with cereal that you eat or grains. And nothing to do with reality. (laughs) It's seriality. That's a series of existences that we've had. Because we live this life here on Earth and then we go into the great beyond and we hang out there for a while and then we come back to Earth and then we go back there, etc. So we're all having these existential serialities. Right. And she draws this diagram on the board that looks like the uh, crenellations of a castle wall where Mm -hmm. it goes up and then it plateaus and then it goes down and then it plateaus. And so one of them, the top line is the extra physical reality. That's when we're between lives. Mm -hmm. And then the bottom set of lines are the intraphysical, intra-physical. which is just a way of saying like when you're alive. Correct. Or just, you know, physical. Yeah. Why why do you need to add intra? I kept translating everything during this whole section to dead versus alive. What would be wrong with saying physical and extra physical? Why do you need to add the intra? And what so... would be wrong with just saying alive or dead? I mean, I guess I understand not saying dead, but you could say alive and Passed on or Mm -hmm. in another plane. This organization needs a syllable tax. So every time they (laughs) use unnecessary syllables, they have to pay for it. Mm -hmm. So we learned that we should stop feeling like victims because there's this karmic debt that's being paid off between lives. So that raises all kinds of interesting issues. So I think the idea is... You don't want to be a victim because you anything that's happening to you, you kind of brought on yourself. So yeah. something you did in a past life. That's Yeesh. why this is going on. Yeesh. And we uh, store our inheritance in our mental somas. So that exists between lives. It remains part of us. Yes, our mental soma is our most permanent body. That's a direct quote. So we get this thing we've seen in other religions and philosophies where you have to explain Why is it that you don't remember any of this? Any of your past lives. In Mormonism, you go through the veil. And in 
the Hubbardian Scientology, you have to like access the time track and then you can go back and sense all these things. We'll get to that. But we did learn that Maria has sleep paralysis. Yeah. Um, yeah. So she first had it at eight years old and she still has some pretty some pretty wild experiences in her everyday life. Like she'll be standing at Target and she'll feel her whole soul moving up and down her body. It's she's like points just of light. Doing her velos all the time. Yeah, but she said that started on its own. That it was like her energies just started moving and she's like, okay, okay, I'm gonna get to go with this. All right, practice yeah. makes awkward target lines. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I wrote down, sometimes Maria's energy moves on its own at target. <laughs> so she'd already given us the term existential seriality, but then she also gave us the term multi-existential continuity, which as far <laughs> as I can tell is the same the exact same? concept. Of course, of course. But then she tells us about self-mimicry. So self-mimicry is when you get in a loop of doing the same thing over and over in many lives. Keep learning the same lessons. Keep making the same mistakes. Don't do that. Don't do it. There's also a term for the time between lives. That's the intermissive period. Mm -hmm. Yes. And you get to attend classes while you're in the intermissive period. Yeah. Presumably just like these. I feel for those people. And you spend about the same amount of time in your intermissive period as you did in the life that just preceded it. Yeah, that was interesting. So yeah. if you live 70 years, you're probably going to be between lives about 70 years. Right. Unless you committed suicide. That complicates that's things. That's complicated. You'll probably get put back in your body a lot faster. She did say suicide can be caused by a brain chemistry imbalance. So a nod to rational psychiatry there. Yeah. Good, good, good. The taking classes reminded me a little bit of Mormonism, where when you baptize the dead, you're essentially just sending them missionaries in the afterlife who will come right. and speak to them. Yeah. Cool, cool. <laughs> and we also heard about karma, a concept I'm sure most of you have heard of, but it's this idea that if you do something good, good will come back to you. If you do something bad, bad will come back to you. And these things follow you from life to life. Yeah, that there is not necessarily a ledger. She wasn't willing to fully sign on to that idea, but that there's sort of like a bank account. Mm -hmm. You're withdrawing and you're making deposits in your karmic account. That wasn't the terminology, but that was the idea. And there's a natural result of any action. The karma is just the natural laws of the universe. Also, by the way, at this point, we did have seven people, five female, two male. Mm -hmm. So about the spread we're used to. Yeah, it was me. And oh, we recognized the guy from last yeah. time. He was at our CDP3 and he felt it was destiny that had placed us back together uh -huh. in CDP4, even though I think it was the very next CDP4. Oh, was it? Yeah. That makes sense. There might have been an intermissive CDP4. <laughs> we'll call him Macaulay. Cool. Because we learned he might be a former child, child actor. actor. But I couldn't figure out who. Yeah, not, not one that we recognized. Also, this whole time, it is raining like the Dickens outside. Took us a long time to get down there. Oh, yeah. Carrie picked me up and drove, and the rain was coming in droves. Exactly. So next, we learned more vocab, you guys. Mm hmm Ego karma. Oh, and, and by the way, we should say that all of this karmic balance justifies why we keep coming back life after life, because eventually we want to work down our karmic balance, and then we get to exit the cycle of living. Yay! Ego karma, tell us about it. That is the karmic account that we have with ourselves. It's our habits, our addictions... So it's all about you, the ego karma, as you guess from the ego part. And then you've got your... Group karma. Hmm. So that's all your ties with others. Your family, friends, people, yeah, that you interact with. She recommended a movie called Queen Margot. Got to check that out. About Catholic persecution of Protestants. So she was talking about all these terrible things that we do to groups of people that are anti-cosmoethical. One of my favorite words. Anti-cosmoethical. Which yeah. means bad. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then if we do things that are anti-cosmoethical, then we are acting in an anti-evolutionary way. And as you may remember, evolution doesn't mean evolution here, not by natural selection. It means your personal spiritual development. And so doing bad things on the group karma level, not so good. If you're racist in one life, you might be that race in the next life. Yeah. Which becomes really weird then because then you have, say, a Native American who is upset about treatment by white people, but he himself was a white person in his previous life. Correct. Then I feel a little less bad for him. Oh, right. If that were true. If that were true. 
but it's probably it's not. probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I kept thinking like, well, there are way more animals than humans. And as we established four or five times in our previous episodes, uh-huh. the animals are caught up in this system. So it seems like most of the time you just end up like a cow. <laughs> right. Yeah. Statistically, because all yeah. the human souls are already taken. And we treat them like shit. Oh, so we are former cows that have been slaughtered, and now we are back in human bodies, and now we're all upset about killing cows. Oh, you and I. You and I. Yes, yes. Maybe we were like a real shitty cow. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, you're going back, baby. Yeah, this one works out okay. All right. Oh, we also learned that we in this room tend to be more cosmoethical than others. Because we're here on a lovely Saturday. We could be out dancing in the rain. Mm-hmm. or playing our Nintendo Wiis at home. But no, we are learning about important things. So yeah, we are highly cosmoethical. Ha-ha. <laughs> um, also, there's polykarma. Mm-hmm. So we've got ego karma, group karma, and then polykarma. That is when you affect greater numbers of people than you would have otherwise, I guess. Yeah. So I think you're... Okay, I think... That's affecting people that you don't even know. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if you're a YouTube star, you're going to have extensive poly karma. Mm -hmm. Might be good, might be bad. If you're a sweetie, like my friend Anna Akana, the YouTube personality, Mm -hmm. maybe you've got lots of really good poly karma from all those people you reach out to. But if you're, like, who is that YouTube star who, like, films that suicide... Oh, geez, I don't even know. Well, if you're that guy, a lot of bad polykarma. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, Yeah, and I I think she was answering someone's question, but she was warning us about the interkarmic prison, and that happens when your energetic ties are so strong and negative that you feel like a slave rather than part of a family. Mm. I think she was referring to someone's question about work or something. So, yeah, try to avoid that. That sounds bad. (laughs) Yeah, so when you hamper someone else's freedom, you build up negative karma. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Oh, at this point, our friend Macaulay had fallen asleep. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Poor guy. He was gently snoring over on the side. And then when he did wake up, he asked some pointed questions to demonstrate. I am. I'm here. I'm paying attention. Right, right. I'm here. That didn't happen. Did you know, Ross, that you can consult the helpers for life advice? Oh, I'm so glad. So we've talked about the helpers. Right. They're all around us all the time. Yeah, they know what your life plan is. And sometimes they'll give you a little hinty poos. I guess that's why they're called helpers. Though we do learn later that there's a more preferred term for helpers. Oh, yes. We'll get there. Hypoamnesia. We learn about that. That's when you don't remember your previous lives. Not just amnesia. No, no, no. It's hypo. It's a little less than regular amnesia. I don't know, guys. But uh, retrocognitions help us access those memories if needed. And we get the helpful analogy that spilling a drink on someone is not as bad as ending someone's life. I agree. Okay. Non-controversial. <laughs> okay, next we learn about, oh, monothocenes. That's how she says it. Yes, those are repetitive thocenes when you're obsessed with a thought, idea, or person. So that can explain things like a ghost that's stuck. She was using the example of, you know, a guy who's manning the wall as a soldier and gets hit with an arrow and dies immediately And he continues to guard that wall into eternity. And he's stuck in that monothocene as a helper to him want to help him move on from that. This is clearly explaining ghost phenomena and, you know, neatly packages them in this mm, theology. I'll just call it a theology. It totally is. They don't have robes. They don't have church buildings. They have little classrooms classrooms with fluorescent lights. But it's otherwise a religion. Yeah, this totally explains haunting. Yeah, it's kind of like in the Matrix sequels, and they're like, we're going to explain every paranormal experience. Oh, okay, I haven't seen them. Oh, yeah. I've seen the first one. That's the important one to see. Okay, phew. So these guides who are obsessed with one goal or idea, they're often referred to as blind guides. They might be nice, but they're not going to help you get what you need necessarily. They're not that wise. You asked a very good question at this point. You said... So how do you know all of this? (laughs) 
This is a very good question. Thank you. The, it had to be asked at some point. The kind of question I wouldn't ask because I think, like, oh, it puts them on the spot too much. Because <laughs> I already think I know the answer. Uh-huh. But you threw her a bit of a bone. You said, have you learned this from out-of-body experiences? Mm-hmm. And she said, oh, well, more from observation of extra physical consciousnesses. Oh, okay. That really clears that things up lot. for me. Thank you. Thank you. Not through experience, but through observation. Mm. Okay. It <laughs> really helps me. And then you asked if it's possible to have monothocenes in this life, like OCD. Yeah. And she said yes. Yep. But she gave kind of a tepid yes. Like, yeah, sure. Okay. Okay. Well, this is Maria's answer to everything. Yes. She says, exactly. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you say. Yeah. So she could say, imagine you did something terrible. And I would say, you know, I actually, I did kill my mother yesterday. And she'd say, yes, exactly. Exactly. exactly right. And then, <laughs> then she'd move on. And- Every example she'd give, she would then kind of equivocate and offer ways in which that might not be exactly the thing. That could be a different case, but it could be something like that. And just generally, you want to avoid. And so she would take a definite statement, and then she'd back off of it to like 95%, and she'd back off of that to 75%, and then offer all these counterexamples. Right. So every answer took about two minutes just to work through yeah of different possibilities for how this concept could play out she says nothing's all black and white there's a lot of gray and oh her answers have a lot of gray (laughs) but it's especially frustrating when you're just trying to clarify something right when you're like okay so just just real quick a holothocene is like an energy imprint on a space right (laughs) instead of just being like "Uh uh-huh she's like exactly well you know is it a space (laughs) or you know could it be a mental space yes okay but it doesn't have to be (laughs) she would make an excellent politician (laughs) maybe i noticed at this point too she kept saying things where she'd gotten so used to using these long tortuous phrases that she would make up her own. Yeah, on the spot. It, well, this one I learned later is a real thing, but she said level of assistentiality. Oh my God, assistentiality is one of my favorites. Like, can't you just say helpfulness? Nope, you can't. Turned out later, this is one of their vocab words. So I thought she was just having a hard time saying assistance or helpfulness. Oh, no, 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 no. But she did say discernful instead <laughs> of discerning. And then later she said ponderation instead of pondering. And to be clear, we're not just making fun of someone who's bad with words. Like, this is all planned out that, like, we will take the English language and turn it on its head and reinterpret it. Oh, sure. Though I think these were examples of her just running into a normal word and her brain giving her... Yeah, being used to that crazy system. Exactly. Like, oh, let's add some ification at the end of this. Right. Now, normally, if you just meet someone on the street, you don't Mm -hmm. have high existentiality for them. No. Someone you know a lot... This is already reminding me of the ARC triangle. Yeah, I was just oh thinking affinity. Totally. <laughs> it's totally like affinity. So someone you know and like a lot, you have high existentiality for them. You're willing to help them a lot. Isn't right. this a helpful concept? Isn't this an existential concept? <laughs> On the flip side, we learned that there are no enemies. Oh, right. An enemy is just a friend you hate. <laughs> <laughs> We're all consciousnesses in evolution. And so those enemies can help us learn and maybe we need to help them. So, uh, yeah, that term is uh, foreign to them, enemies. Then this one woman points out like, well, that can be kind of complicated because you don't want to lose your personal boundaries with someone who treats you really badly. Oh, and that but, just starts Maria yeah, off on one Maria, of those Oh, yes, no, of course, yes, yes. And you, know, you have to be there discerning. are times in your life where, yeah, you have to set up certain boundaries, but... Also, you could think about how, and then she gives mm-hmm. the counterexample to a lot of the classes. Each that. case is individual, she says. And I was proud of this group. Everyone else in the class was also asking questions that kind of made her explain the thought process behind yeah. these things. Some very good critical questions. Definitely. Not like that one class where we had the woman say that physics, that's just a theory. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this, this was a sharp group. There was one woman in particular who was obviously fed up with not getting out of her body yet. And she was starting to ask some pointed questions. Yeah, she was a thorn in the side. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't get like that strong a vibe of that from her. I think you did. The impression I got was, I'm having a problem. Now it's your problem. Fix this for me. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, but kind of fair enough. (laughs) Like That's what she's supposed to do. (laughs) Carrie was digging it. Uh, Yeah, I, I appreciated the forthrightness of her questions. So... 
A big part of the focus of this day was going to be on our life plan. Oh, yeah. Life plan. That sounds good. Yeah. Well, you know what? Let me give it another term. Okay. It's also called your existential program. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm glad because, you know, How would plan- you have understood what I was talking about if I hadn't clarified <laughs> that it's your existential program? Just seemed a little boring. So we all have one. And essentially, this is what you're supposed to do with your life. Yeah. That makes sense. Why did you have to call it an existential program? I don't know. It's I a, didn't do it. You already said life plan. That's good enough. <laughs> you looked at me so earnestly as you said that, that I was like, I didn't name it. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to realize it was a rhetorical. So we do break it down, though. There are three types of life plans. Yes. Okay, guys. Here we go. <laughs> there is the mini life plan. Oh, so a small one. So this is on the ego-karmic level. Oh, um, good. We just learned that concept. Okay. Right. Applies so, to yourself. So it could be something like, I'm here to learn to control my violent tendencies in the last life i was a real hothead or it could be i've been an addict in my last few lives i need to learn to overcome addiction i wish you well in all those endeavors carrie they no, it wasn't me oh. <laughs> and then let's skip ahead to the oh, yeah. larger life plan that's called the maxi life plan maxi life plan so that deals with all levels of karma so that's where you have a life plan where you're affecting the whole planet you're leaving a legacy i liked her example she referred to dr sulk by which she oh meant yeah jonas sulk and how so many lives have been saved with his vaccine that he developed that's a great example that so is. he was living out his maxi life plan. Right. So, all right. So we have a mini. We have a maxi. Now, dear listener, stop and ask yourself, what would you put between mini and maxi? Go maybe. ahead. Just pause for a while and yeah, think about we'll it. We'll let you. Okay. So maybe you thought midi. Maybe you thought medium. Maybe you thought average. Normal. Yep. That all made sense. What she called it was per Per se. se. Life plan. Your per se life plan. That's all. P-E-R hyphen S-E. <laughs> the worst possible name. <laughs> what does that mean? For this li- okay, so your per se life plan is dealing with the ego karma and the group karma. All, all levels of the life plan include the ones below them, essentially. Wait, no? <laughs> this is so confusing. Yeah, the- oh, wait, because group karma is poly karma. <laughs> I mean, I mean, group karma is the maxi life plan, right? The, the maxi is the poly karma. Poly karma, got it. Okay, yes. So it's kind of like when you sign up for Patreon, and yeah. all the rewards are like that plus everything below. Yeah, or it. if you support us at Maximum Fun, yes, better example. At a twenty dollar level, you also get all the benefits of the ten dollar and the five dollar. Exactly. Level. Yeah. It's exactly like that. So the. Middle one is the per se life plan. I wonder if we can get Jesse Thorne to change all the names of the levels to like ego karma <laughs> and super karma. Even Macaulay raised his head and said, so, so why did you call it per se? Yeah, I'm not quite getting that. And then she said, well, you know, it's your life plan per se. <laughs> this doesn't help us. You could just say, yeah, that wasn't best term. Right, right. Whoever came up with that. I think she came up with it in the moment. No, I feel like th- this I, three-part life plan is from the curriculum. I think so, too. But I think it's <laughs> I think it's mini, then life plan, then maxi life plan. Oh, and, and she, she added the per se? I think so. Because mm. as she was sitting there, she said something like, and we'll call it, let's say, per se. And mm. wrote it. Okay. It was an unhelpful clarification, but I do think it came from her mind as like, better give this an extra name. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> well, right, maybe we'll we can see. find out. Well, Carrie. Yes, Ross, is it? I thought we'd stop talking about going out of our bodies just for a minute to mm-hmm. talk about feet. Oh, I want to go out of my feet too. Well, specifically, I was going to mention some quality socks from uh, Bombas. Oh, Bombas make you want to stay in your body. They are so comfortable. <laughs> right. Why would you want to get out when uh, your feet are so comfortable? Exactly. Bombas are bomb ass socks. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Like Alexander Dumbass. Right. That, uh, what was that? The Counter Monte Cristo. Oh, yeah. I can't remember where they mispronounced his name. Probably a movie. Yeah. Anyway, the point is, these are good (laughs) socks. Uh, yeah. No matter what you're striving for, Bombas are perfectly engineered to keep you comfortable. They feature a honeycomb arch support system, cushioned footbed, Y stitched heel, and they're made of super soft cotton. They're the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. That's what I've heard. That's what I've heard as well, and I'm not going to double question it. I am actually wearing Bomba socks again today. Right now? Yeah, this is coincidental. They're white with uh, blue and red, very patriotic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They just happen to be in my sock mix. 
Nice. And that's what I grabbed today. Yeah, I've really been liking my Bombas. They sent us a few. And when they are up, you know, in my rotation, Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, this is going to be a good day. It's funny. You can tell which socks to get rid of just by the level of anticipation you have when Mm -hmm. looking at your sock drawer. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you'll look at the socks available and you're like... Uh, I guess I have to wear these. Yeah. Uh, it's getting near laundry day. I've run out of sock options. Some of them have bad puns on them. Do they? You have yeah, socks with my bad mom, puns? My mom sends me a lot of stuff with writing on it. She's very sweet. But so, sometimes she sends me socks with bad puns on them. Oh, funny. None of the Bomba socks have bad puns. So far, maybe they should. I do not have any socks with bad puns or pictures or anything like that. But yeah, I was happy to grab the Bomba socks today. Anyways. You know what else is cool about them is that every time you buy a pair of socks, they give away a pair of socks. Oh, I love that. Somebody who needs socks. That's so cool. Someone wrote us and confirmed, yes, I work at a shelter and regularly we get shipments of Bombas socks. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And, it, you know, I'm, I'm happy to pay for something knowing that there's another copy of it going to someone who really oh, needs it. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, when I did work with the neighborhood council and we were hanging out with the people who helped our homeless oh, population yeah. here, they told us socks was like the number one thing they needed. So oh, really? you go. Yeah. Okay. Well... You can go to bombas.com, that's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com, and you'll get 20% off your first order. That's bombas.com slash, oh no, B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash O-H-N-O, and the code is, oh no. And Ross, you were saying? (laughs) This is my favorite moment in terms of the terms that we learn, Uh because we learn about the helpers of, of the, the helpers. helpers. So we are friends of the friendless. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Who watches the watchers? Who helps the helpers? So <laughs> they have a name. They're called existential mentors. Yes. But or <laughs> they can also be called <laughs> evolutionary, evolutionary orientors. Or they can be called evolutionologists. I didn't even get that one. Oh, yeah. She gave us... She defined them as helpers of the helpers, and she gave us three separate terms for them. Oh, my God. Stop it. No, we don't don't need more. helpfully explained it's kind of like an administrative assistant. (laughs) We don't need any more, any more concepts for this one thing. Did she even tell us, like, are the evolutionary orientors living... No, they, they, people? they definitely they people? live in the extra physical realm. Okay, okay. Yeah. So also we got a little backstory on Maria. She was the youngest of 10 in her family. Yeah, she said she was born in a third world country. And then didn't tell us which country she was thinking of and then said Mexico. And she was Heard raised very Catholic. Yes. We also got <laughs> a really important question from the audience here because Maria was telling us that our life plan will never require us to do something anti-cosmoethical, like kill someone, just so you can't use this as an excuse later. Like, oh, I learned about my life plan in this class, and my life plan is I have to kill Jake. Poor Jake. Which immediately made me want to ask her about Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Oh. Put her in a real moral quandary. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Watch her squirm. He had, I always think that should be treated as a much harder argument against the existence of God than it is, that He had a plan to kill Hitler. Mm -hmm. He was a fine, upstanding Christian man, Mm -hmm. intellectual, great writer. Why did his plan fail? Fail, yeah. Then he died in prison at the hands of the Nazis. Well, I think that someone on the other side of that conversation would probably say, well, because God doesn't want you to do that shit. But it was a good thing. doesn't want you to kill everybody, even Hitler. You're not even supposed to kill Hitler. Huh. But if he had succeeded, I don't think they would take the argument like, oh, well, God clearly had nothing to do with right, that. Right, right. Totally. So we had raised this conditional now. And so the woman we were debating about earlier who has the strongly stated opinions, she <laughs> then raised her hand and said, okay, but what if it's an act of self-defense? And like <laughs> someone comes into your house and they're invading your home. And, and you, you have ha- a gun and you're you have, trained. You're trained to shoot. To use your gun. And so you have the right to shoot them and you exercise that right. Then what? (laughs) So it was so fun to watch Maria try to backpedal from that. Yeah, it's just like, okay, well, crazy counterfactual. Probably shouldn't. (laughs) And you have to ask yourself, well, is that the proper punishment for someone coming into your home? Maybe their intent wasn't to kill you. And then I think Carrie said something to defuse the situation and and Maria agreed with that and we moved on. Oh, you talked about the death penalty. Oh, yeah. I said, so then what about the death penalty? And she was pretty 
She was anti like death penalty. That is bad. Death penalty is bad. Yeah, that was like the most direct answer we'd gotten from her in <laughs> yeah. any of our classes. And it was very much against the death penalty. So we're like, all right, good yeah. job. She said that person can do even more harm in the extra physical plane if you kill them. So why not keep them in prison and contain how much harm they can do? And then she said, yeah, I know that everybody's paying their taxes on people in prison. And mm-hmm. I said, ho, ho, it is actually more expensive to execute, execute somebody. Because of all the expensive lawyers and the reviews, of course, that's directly tied to our particular legal system. But, sure, yep, but it's kind of an inevitability. So uh, she said, oh, yes, that too, that too. And we, we moved all, on. <laughs> we all felt good about ourselves. She kept having to remind this group, oh, sorry, guys, we could talk forever about all these things, but we got to keep going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And hey, she's a volunteer giving us five and a half hours of her day. I don't blame her one smidgen. I don't either, except when I consider that she would tell people to stop with questions like, hey, I had an out-of-body experience and this happened. She'd be like, no, <laughs> we got to shut that down. Instead, we're going to yeah, talk about what the holothocene is. Yeah, M- Macaulay was saying, okay, so I had an experience with the helpers and I have a question about they that. They gave me a message. <laughs> she's like, well, hold on to that and ask me after the class. No! That's really important. This sounds like the biggest thing that's happened in any of our CDPs. Oh, but please, teach just 25 more vocab words. God. Okay, so our next vocab word is Is intermissive courses. And that's just the name of those classes that we take in between lives where we analyze the lives we've just led and we learn important lessons and set our goals for the next life. It's like defending your life. Yes, and this time I can fully agree because I have seen it now. Oh, did we talk about this before? Apparently, you brought it up once and I said, oh yeah, great movie. And then we brought it up again and I said, I've never seen it. Oh, interesting. I was confused and was thinking of something else the first time. But then after a listener called me out, I did go watch it. And so now I have seen (laughs) it and I know what you're talking about. It is a great movie. Yeah, it is a great movie. Albert Brooks. Anyway. Meryl Streep. And uh, Rip Torn. Correct. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. Robotization. That's when you become robotic, everybody. You become a slave to the stuff you like. TV, social media, culture, whatever. You're just not questioning anymore. You're like a robot, man. Yeah, it's just those people who sit on their couches and watch Downton Abbey all day long. (laughs) That's all they do. I think the implication was that most of us fall prey to this sometimes. Right. And she was saying, even those of us who've been studying this for a long time, we can fall prey to this as well. Yeah. But for mere moments, whereas some people will live their whole lives Mm. as these robots. Oh, yeah. And then gun lady, which is what I came to call the woman who asked about (laughs) self-defense. Okay. She said, well, what about all those cultures that won't evolve? And I'm like, oh, no. And she says, and what about all the races attached to the cultures that won't evolve? I'm like, oh, fuck. uh (laughs) What the fuck's happening? Now, I don't think Maria totally heard all of the question. I think she went into Maria mode where she's just agreeing and nodding her head. Yes, exactly. Oh, exactly, exactly. But she said, you know, you got to question whatever you're born into. I don't think she caught the underlying racism in Gun Lady's question. Again, I think of a politician. She'll find the piece of the question that she wants to speak to and speak to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, to be fair, is what they teach you in media training to do. Yes, exactly. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So the... The law of least effort, we learn, is kind of um, entropy. Path of least resistance. And she said there are shortcuts to evolution, but uh, they need to be smart ones. Yeah, so keep trying, keep questioning. Don't just put in the least effort that you can. She also told us that she used to live in London in her past lives, and that's why she's such an Anglophile. Okay, that makes sense. After law of least effort, Macaulay said, so why'd you use the word law when mm. you're just basically talking about laziness? And her answer was basically, it sounds better. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I wrote in my notes, there was no good answer, but much discussion. <laughs> it was a particularly long non-answer. We learn about immaturity, and that's when we sell ourselves short. This was all under robotization. Yeah, and immaturity, I think we covered also in CDP3. Okay. And we talked about intraphysical melancholy. Mm-hmm. That's when you're not headed toward your life plan and you're fucking bummed out about it. Right. And then you've got your extra physical melancholy. And that's when you have regret even in the afterlife. Over not doing what you meant to do in your last life. Okay. Next we have the intraphysical euphoria. That's what we want to reach. 
that's where you just feel great when you're older. I think of Dick Van Dyke. It's oh. where you're like, I've used my life in the best way that I could have. I'm proud of myself. The rest is just bonus. Living life at its fullest. Which, and- by the way, everybody go read Dick Van Dyke's two books, Keep Moving and My Lucky Life in Show Business. They're so good. I'm They're have so to, good. I'm going to have to borrow those from you. Okay. Uh, and then uh, you guessed it. You've been waiting for it. Extra physical Extra euphoria. Extra physical euphoria. The feeling of pride or happiness for your last life. <laughs> All right. Glad sure. we have separated terms for these. <laughs> and finally, when you've achieved your life purpose, you have completism. <laughs> I think she even said completism. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Well, all we know is for sure she didn't say completism. <laughs> no. Com- Why would you? But let's even say, though that's how it's spelled. Let's call it completism. So, yep. That's what we're trying to get, that feeling. I wrote in the margin, all these terms could use some simplificationality. (laughs) Or just not even saying them. They're not even helping me. (laughs) Right, yeah. Some of these kinds of like, really, will we need to refer to that later by the term completism? Can't we just say, you know, feeling really good about what you've achieved in your life. Right. That's enough. Yeah, I don't need a term for that. You can just say that. What are you, L. Ron Hubbard? (laughs) Exactly. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Okay, so next we move on to identifying our personal existential program. Oh yeah, this was a slide. She turned back on the TV. And just to remind you, that basically means figure out what you want to do with your life. So you can do a personal traits formula. Mm-hmm, where you write out a little list of strong traits and then weak traits. And then figure out your root strong trait mm-hmm. and your root weak trait. And then you can use the matching traits for the strong one to overcome the weak one. So let's say your strong trait is imagination and your weak trait is that you're impulsive. You can use your imagination to help you deal with your impulsivity. Or be impulsive and you will be creative. Yes? Sure. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I'm just saying what she would say. Now, intruders, they know what our soft spots and our weaknesses are. Because they can read your list. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, or your mind. And so they try to hit us in our soft spots. So knowing mm-hmm. them already kind of inoculates you to their power. And she recommends that you give yourself for these traits a rating system from 1 to 10. So we should incorporate that, Carrie. We should use a rating system. Why did we never think of that? <laughs> and then next on this list, after our personal traits formula, we learned about the personal reciprocation formula that's to reciprocate the ways you've been blessed ways to help others yep yeah sounds good again don't need a term for it right yeah just say help others don't say personal reciprocation formula yeah in fact it makes it some clinical math term yeah yeah Yeah, don't they realize how dry and sterile these terms sound Sterile. that's the word taking something that should be really flipping cool you made this point at the end like we're going out of our bodies that's amazing (laughs) i just traveled to the eiffel tower i don't know why they always talk about the eiffel tower i just Uh traveled the eiffel tower i met all the helpers i'm feeling completism yeah exactly i feel an extra physical Euphoria. <laughs> I couldn't believe the holothocene that was there. <laughs> yeah. That wasn't just a monothocene, that was a polythocene. <laughs> it's like, why? why? It's not adding anything. It is taking things away. Okay, another way to identify your personal existential program is to use conscious projection. To- oh, yeah, which are OBEs. So you can ask your helpers and, yeah, use those OBE experiences And she said something kind of funny here. She said, if you get a message like love one another from a helper, eh, it's probably not really a helper because that's obvious. (laughs) We all know to love one another. It reminded me of my friend who's a pastor and one of his kind of proofs in his mind that God is real is that he was really mad one time at a bunch of students that were camping or doing something like that. And he prayed to God and God told him something that amounted to essentially just show them love. Hmm. And he thought, oh, wow. Well, my brain would have never come up with that. And so because God told me something that was just counter to every impulse of mine at the moment, I was so mad, that tells me that's real. Oh, that's very sweet. So that's also a good proof of the helpers. But in this case, no. She was saying, no, no. If you hear that you should just love everybody, that's not a helper because it's fucking obvious. Well, well, sure. But she was also making the point that if you hear something that is a contrary to what you would expect, that mm-hmm. is a helper. Right. So, yeah, he might have trouble with this particular one. Yeah, be like, hmm, well, it wasn't what it's I expected, but both. it's also kind of uh, oh, obvious. Tr- trite and like a... 
fortune cookie. Hmm. Yeah, she said it should be sophisticated, even complex, and you shouldn't be able to think of it yourself. Yeah, helpers are, they're subtle. They have an eminent energy. <laughs> she kept saying that. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. And, uh, and so they're going to be more specific. Okay. Also, we can use the technique of one more year of life. Okay. Let me guess what that means. I think I know. It means you're going to imagine that you only have a year to live yep. and figure out what you want to do. Yes, of course, that's what it means. But let's pull it apart. <laughs> let's make it ever more complex. Hey, it's a five and a half hour class. <laughs> so yeah, you have one more year to live. And uh, she writes down those dates on the board, today's date and a year hence. And she says, narrow down to one thing you want to accomplish in your life. I actually thought this was a really good idea. Mm. Like, just imagine, okay, the doctor tells you right now you have exactly one year left to live. You would tackle a lot of very specific things. I just feel like you hear that all the time. Well, she's not a helper. That's true. <laughs> um, also on that list was CDP Advanced One Self-Knowledge. So you thought we'd gotten to CDP4 and this was the final course. But no, right here in this chart, she was pitching us on the next class of CDP. That's how you're going to get further in life, you guys. And you got to give all this stuff evolutionary priority. Okay? Okay. Okay. Yes, exactly. In CDP Advanced One, you spend a weekend at a hotel. You discover your life plan. Mm -hmm. Great. It's in various cities, so you can all go. Well, not really. You need to take CDP first. Yeah. And she said, it's a very mental somatic experience. Ooh. Okay. Good. <laughs> Yeah, so she was telling <laughs> us about upcoming ones, and it's a Friday through Sunday event, and I think there's going to be one in San Francisco in a few years. That sounds right. So maybe we'll go. We'll see how this how this progresses. Maybe. If they don't consider this podcast to be anti-cosmoethical. <laughs> also, it was freezing cold in that room. Yeah, you were cold. Oh my God. She turned on the AC for who knows what reason, because it was very cold and rainy outside. <sighs> freezing. Anyway, now lots we took of, a... Lots of people were complaining about this. Yeah. Carrie was not the only one. No. And then we took a bathroom break. And I peed, and I will tell you right now, the code for the bathroom is C345. So I was just debating whether or not to tell people the bathroom code. Were you really? <laughs> and then I thought, oh, I don't need to include that, but I'm glad, I'm glad people know now. <laughs> I think it changes every time. I think it does too. I encourage our listeners, if you live in Los Angeles and you want to go see if the bathroom code is still C345, <laughs> you may do this, but do not be disruptive. You may use the restroom if you need to, but use it, leave, be very clean, be mm -hmm. polite, be respectful. Flush. Flush. Hey, Carrie. Ross? I uh, guess what I have right here in my hand. Uh, I'm looking at your hand and it looks empty. Well, it's a Jumbotron. Oh, no wonder Jumbotrons are invisible! And massless, but they contain lots of great messages within. Absolutely. And Especially this one. Yeah, this one's about a podcast. Yes! A podcast I we are both interested in listening to. Yeah, how much of what you saw in the movie Titanic really happened? Was the right stuff historically accurate stuff? Based on a True Story is the podcast that answers those questions for you by comparing your favorite movies with what really happened in history. And they've already done us a service because we looked at their list of movies they covered. And one of them was... Communion. With Christopher Walken. With Christopher Walken. Based on the Whitley Strieber book. We both love Whitley Strieber. I read about five-sixths of that book. And then misplaced it, 80, but it was great. 83.33%. Exactly. Then, tragic. I know. Well, now we can watch the movie. I've added it to my DVD queue. And I have added it to my Amazon wish list. So we'll be watching that soon. And then we'll have to listen to their coverage of whether it was true or not. Exactly. Did all that happen? I'm stoked about this podcast. You guys should be too. So search for Based on a True Story in your podcast app of choice. And, and subscribe. subscribe. Speaking of excellent podcasts. Yes, and we were. I know where you can find even more great podcasts. Oh, come on, Ross. You already told me about one great podcast. You're trying to tell me you know about more. No, this is like a treasure trove of good podcasts. Where? All right. Don't tell anybody else, okay? Okay. Maximumfun.org. Oh, those are great. <laughs> yeah. Like this one. 
Beloved Maximum Fun Star Trek podcast, The Greatest Generation, is going out on tour. We are bringing Greatest Gen Con to a bunch of cities in the U.S. and Canada. It's our big tribute to slash send-up of Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. And we have a big leg coming up. Yes, we are raising our legs on a number of cities <laughs> in the coming weeks. We're going to Washington, D.C. on August 23rd. The Bell House in Brooklyn, New York on August 24th. Mass Mocha in North Adams, Massachusetts on August 25th. Pittsburgh on the 28th. Boston, Massachusetts at the Wilbur Theater on the 29th. Atlanta, Georgia at the Earl on the 30th. Ferndale, Michigan at the Magic Bag on the 31st. Those are some great big rooms and some great big cities, Ben. And it's a really fun show. It's accessible even if you haven't listened to the podcast yet. We can't wait to see you when we're out on tour. Check greatestgencon.com for dates and ticketing information. And Khan is spelled K-H-A-N because Wrath of Khan, greatestgen, K-H-A-N.com. So next we did an exercise and this exercise would consist of a velo, an exteriorization, a partial disconnection of the para arm. I got to say, every time I hear velo, I still think of Bob Vila. Who's that? From Home Improvement. He was the competing show host that Tim Allen would always be railing Uh, against. I saw Uh, Tim Allen live recently. Oh, that's right. Bad person. (laughs) This is the kind of thing that Carrie and Drew do for fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's go to a right-wing comedian. It was my Valentine's Day present to him. And it was him complaining about PC culture. Half of it was that. He was like, I don't even know what midgets want to be called now. What do you call them? And we're like... (laughs) Little people, you know the answer to this. And he's like, I know, nobody knows. Don't tweet at me, God. (laughs) Okay. He's fun. So Velo, you all know that. That's where the energy is traveling from the top of your head to the bottom of your foot and cycling back and forth. Back and forth, back and forth. But don't imagine it. Right. Do not picture it. My God, if you picture it, you are doing it wrong. That is completely anti-cosmoethical. Though she did give a very helpful piece of feedback this time saying Try not to move your eyes as you do it, uh-huh. which I realized I was doing a lot. Like I would kind I of, to stop myself I would sort before. of look down as I was thinking of the energy being down by my feet. My eyes would lift up as I saw it come to the crown of my head and then back down. Mm-hmm. So I'm training myself out of that. I think when you do the velo right, it feels a lot like when you're in a free fall and your stomach goes like, loop, sort of like excitement, but it travels. Oh, okay. That's what my velo feels like if I'm doing it right. Interesting. Being in that cold room, as I was doing the velos, I was feeling tingling all over my body. Mm-hmm. So I would feel the tingling in the upper body, which is really easy to do. But then I was feeling it even in my lower body and my nice. calves. I was like, ooh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm cold. All right. <laughs> so in this case, though, she said that we could visualize, but we'd be visualizing our para arm moving. So we're going to sit in a chair, we're going to do the velo, exteriorize, and then picture your arm, you can pick either one, coming up slowly, a couple inches above your knee at first, and then all the way up to maybe two feet above your knee. How'd that go for you? Um, Looks like I had no sensation. I saw it. In my but... notes, Carrie was distracted by Moana soundtrack. Oh yeah, the Moana soundtrack. And I said... In my head. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. So for my exteriorization, I felt it was kind of cool. I was visualizing, of course, but I would imagine my energy just sort of quickly slapping out to the very edges of the room as this kind of bluish purple color. That's cool. People are going to remind me about the existence of indigo. Sure. Indigo. (laughs) And then that would be as I would exhale and I would feel kind of cold and empty, but powerful because I just slapped my energy out to the edges of the room and then... I'd breathe in and draw all that energy back. And I would feel it kind of hit every object along the way. So yeah, it was just kind of fun. I was enjoying that exteriorization. Yeah, I like the exteriorizations. They feel good. And then with my para arm, I did feel like, <laughs> what? Just Oh yeah, the exteriorization was good. And with my para arm. <laughs> <laughs> Look, okay, we're working within the system here. Yeah. I, I would try to picture my arm already like raised up. And sometimes it would kind of leap into that position. And I would sort of feel for a second like, oh, my arm is up. And then it would leap back to being down. That's smarter. One thing I could do is I could kind of picture my para fingers 
twitching and moving around. And that felt very effective. Like, oh, it does feel like my hand's moving, but it's not. You know what? I think that's smart. I think it's probably better to picture it an inch above your knee and then picture it two inches above your knee rather than picturing moving it because Mm -hmm. I'm so locked into what the feeling of movement feels like. There you go. You can eliminate that variable. Yeah. Yeah. So that was our exercise. And one of the women in class said, I felt myself going to somewhere else, somewhere else called sleep. (laughs) (laughs) But one woman said both of my arms wanted to go up. So she was having some success. Okay. A para, para arms. (laughs) Exactly. All right. So then we get a half hour break. We go to the Donut King. You have decaf coffee and a cookie. I have a donut and barbecue chips. We are living healthy. (laughs) So we come back and it's time to learn some projective techniques. Yeah, yeah. Woohoo! The first one I think is unusually honest. It's called psychological conditioning and it's to predispose yourself to visualize the psychosoma disconnecting. Okay. So you set a timer for 90 to 120 minutes and you focus on yourself. You picture leaving your body. And you want to have a physical target, like I'm going to touch my silver cord that comes out of my spirit body, or I want to go through the wall. But in this case, you can actually picture it. You don't have to just wait for it to happen. And you're just, like they say, psychologically conditioning yourself Mm -hmm. to feel used to the imagery of you moving around outside your body. And these aren't things we're going to try just now, but these are being presented as things we can try later at home. We also have the opening door exercise. So you picture yourself in an open space with an open door in front of you and put a symbol on it. It can be a word, something you're trying to achieve. We recommend the infinity symbol. Mm -hmm. It should be about nine feet away from you. And then you go to that door. Yeah, visualize walking toward the door and your goal, whatever your life goal is, is behind that door. Oh, and one of her answers here, Maria refers to her body as being just a vessel, just a vehicle. Oh, that's right. Someone was asking about seeing your body mm-hmm. when, when you come out and you turn around. And she's like, ah, oh, it's just so matter of fact, like, you know, it becomes old hat pretty yeah. soon. Just a vessel. But more importantly, she said to put something on the door that's really meaningful. She suggested infinity, as you said. I kept waiting for her to say like, or a heart. So I could say, love is an open door. <laughs> but she didn't. Well, now you got to say, say it. Yeah. You've got a podcast. Love is an open door. door. Okay. <laughs> So then we also discussed some projective image techniques. Yeah, so these are the things we can actually use in this class today. Right now. We're supposed to choose one of these. So one option is the cone. That's picturing your psychosoma coming out of your belly as a little tiny point of light and then growing wider and wider like a cone. So shining out like this light from your belly button. Like a Klieg light. Then there's the rope. You picture climbing an endless rope like Tarzan vines, she said, maybe swinging side to side, but going ever further up. Uh Oh, you said the word swing. (laughs) Right. We'll talk about that later. Then there's the tornado. So kind of like the cone, you picture psychosoma exteriorizing from your belly button, but now it's being pulled up in a vortex. Whoa. And it spins around as it goes up. And presumably it doesn't really look like a full body when it's like a little point of light or when it's in a tornado, but who knows? Who knows? Then there's the wave. Picture an ocean wave and you're riding the wave. You can have a raft under you if If you you want want, a raft or a boat. Now you're just thinking of Moana again. I was thinking of Moana again. (laughs) But the wave is growing ever higher, 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 pushing you up to the sky. And then one woman in the audience gave us a very helpful suggestion. She said, now drowning's not good. Oh, so don't picture yourself drowning. Okay. Tank. You have the option of picturing yourself in a huge water tank. So like two or three stories high, not like one of those little float tanks where you're in an isolated chamber and you can hear things. No, you're all alone floating in the middle of this water. And then just imagine that the water starts rising. Water is seeping in from somewhere. And a woman next to us is like, oh, this sounds horrifying. It kind of does. Mostly (laughs) it sounds really like dingy. I kept thinking like, oh, that water would be so gross. That made me really like it when she said how scary it sounded. I was like, (laughs) like, I'm going for this one. So you rise up and up and up in this giant chamber and eventually you're supposed to hit a hole in the ceiling and just kind of flow out of there. Yeah. I don't know what's on the other side of this (laughs) giant tank. I'm sure it's all fine. It's not like a post-apocalyptic world. (laughs) (laughs) And then the last one is the elevator. You picture yourself lying on the floor of an elevator. 
You push the button for floor 80, which now I think of it is probably a far ways to reach. But yeah, anyway. No, no, that's what my mind was obsessed with at the moment. Like, well, you have to hit the button before you before lay you down. Before you lie on the floor. <laughs> teacher, teacher. These are the kind of things I worry about, except I did not disturb the class with that. Then you picture the lights lighting up as you go up, 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 up to the deck or the roof or whatever. That sounded boring. So all of these use visuals of going from the bottom to the top. Right. Upward mobility. But don't start thinking that means that you can just, you know, switch from one to the other. If you do that, you're going to keep starting at point A over and over. I thought that was a helpful corrective. Because yeah. I think I might naturally do that. Like, okay, I've done tornado for a while. Let's yeah. try the wave. Okay, right. okay, wave. She said you'd lose all your progress. So even if you have to restart that same one over and over, that's better. At least it's cumulative. And be patient. Don't worry if it feels like nothing is happening. So we did that exercise for about an hour. At least. She had saved that for kind of the biggest chunk of time of the class. Well, Ross, is it? Who? Uh, me? Yeah. How are you? I am Ross. I'm doing well. Oh, good. I'm so glad. How are your breasts doing? Feeling good, actually. Okay, yeah. good. You know, mine too, because I have been wearing third love bras lately. Oh, have you? Yes. And it's interesting that it should come up because this episode is supported in part by third love. So both your breasts and this podcast are supported by... <laughs> love exactly yeah it's a great bra brand they have 24 new sizes giving them a total of 70 that's a lot of sizes that's a lot apparently there are lots of bra companies that have many sizes available but uh, third love has really focused on making these the, the ones that people need most yeah they have cup sizes a through h and bands up to 48 and they have half cup sizes which is quite nice now if you go to their website and you fill out their little hey tell me about your current bra you might get new info like i did they said hey i think you're wearing like a slightly wrong size oh, why don't really? you try this other thing and i got it and i was like oh shit you're right now i know what to order yeah oh that's very good you know i should try that because my wife has changed sizes over time sure. and i think sometimes we'll get the the wrong size bras and also they have tagless labels I think that's pretty uh, smart. That's so great. You don't get these labels shooting off every which direction oh, or causing that. itching. And, and then you try to cut it off, but then you just have that little like serrated Seam. part. Yep. Ugh. Yep. Yep. And the straps that don't slip. Oh, those straps, you guys. This is no joke. They're like accordion straps. They stay on there. Whew. Love it. And apparently super thin memory foam cups. That are also lightweight. And not too underwirey, at least the ones I got. They're not poking into your boob. You're not like, oh, geez, you're trying to baste me. What mm -hmm. do you do to me? Baste it? Baste it, broil it, stick it in a stew. Exactly. You're not trying to do that to my boobs, and I thank you. <laughs> Third Love guarantees a perfect fit. Returns and exchanges are free, and they're easy. So if that sounds of interest to you, you can go to thirdlove.com slash oh no, O-H-N-O, now to find your perfect fitting bra. And by doing so, you will get 15% off your first purchase. Oh. That, yeah, I know. That's thirdlove.com slash oh no for 15% off today. And Carrie, you were saying. So I used the wave technique. How'd that go? I was pretty cool. I was just chilling. Literally, because it's freezing in there. <laughs> I was chilling on this wave and I saw the sun and I kept thinking like, oh, that sun is so warm. It's so warm. Trying to like get my body to feel it, which I did a little bit, but I was so cold in there. But my left arm, my left para arm did disconnect. Ooh. Yeah. Nice. And it happened very rapidly. I just felt as if I reached my left arm up and I like touched my head. I'm oh. doing it for you now like this, like with, with a knuckle. Just yeah. Kind of, like, Carrie's got the back. knuckle of her index finger. Yeah. Hitting her forehead. Well, that's and I, cool. And it actually like jarred me. Like I felt the para arm touch me and I was like, <laughs> and then I realized, oh, my arm hasn't moved. So that did work for me. Now, I must say, you guys, half of the secret to all this is don't move. Your body will fall asleep a lot faster and you will lose sense of your body in time and space if you don't move. Okay, good, good tip. So I went for the tank and I, I think I was trying to picture this tank filling up and it was just going way too slowly. And so I would get up a little ways, but then I would picture myself closer to the exit and be like, oh, I, I didn't earn that. I need to go back. And so I'd go back and start floating up slowly again. I was very comfortable. It was cold, 
but I was wearing like a long sleeve shirt. My jammies, the same ones I almost died in in the uh, <laughs> Rhythmia investigation, mm-hmm. decided not to burn them. And I definitely blacked out at some point while I'm picturing myself rising up in this tank. So I remember kind of coming out of sleep. You told me I was lightly snoring later. Oh, yeah. Yeah, then I would rise up again. And I had been fairly immobile the whole time. And so I remember somewhere near the end of this exercise, I had to kind of adjust a bit and put my knees up because my body was just getting really sore from sitting in the same exact position. Oh, my. And sometimes you get an itch and you're like, I want to scratch that itch more than anything, but I'll lose all my progress if I scratch that itch. Oh, I was really worried about that because my foot was really acting up both days. It was really itchy. But uh, my coolest moment was... Uh, There was a time, and she had told us to turn our phones off or on silent, you know, don't want them making any noises. And at one point, I was thinking, oh, I shouldn't be looking at my phone right now. I need to put it down. And then I realized, like, oh, my goodness, I'm not holding my phone. It's over by me, but I feel like my arms are holding my phone up right in front of my face. That's cool. That's nice. So I was super jazzed about that. And it lasted a little ways past me realizing it, which was even cooler. Oh, nice. Yeah, I had a similar thing. I think it was shorter, though, because it didn't stand out. But where I was like, I was looking at my phone, and then I think my hand just disappeared. But it was the same sort of sensation. At one point, I was an inch above my body just hovering there. And sometimes I was hovering in the sky, but it would kind of go back and forth. You must have been beside yourself. (laughs) No, I was on top of myself. (laughs) Okay. I guess from my notes... When we were both using our cell phones, my cell phone had big colorful keys with cartoons on them. Oh, I was just seeing a normal like iPhone home screen. I wasn't like in an app or anything. So then one woman in our class said, okay, well, I used a swing and <laughs> oh, oh yeah. boy. Maria got so mad Maria at her. I was like, what? Yeah, I did not. I gave you a look at this list. I, You're supposed you to use on it? one of these. <laughs> Why did you use your own thing? Now, she did it in a very nice non-confrontational way. Yeah. But you could tell she was disappointed. So it didn't work for her. And then it turned out another woman had used a swing. Gun lady. for her. Yeah. And Maria got even more upset with her. And gun lady is very defensive. She is trained to be defensive. (laughs) And she said, well, you said swing. And Maria said, oh, but I was talking about the climbing the vine, the rope. And And I said, you might swing back and forth. Ugh. well, I want you to try it tonight then because you didn't get to try it this time. Yeah, it didn't work for either of them. And Maria explains that that's probably because you had a back and forth motion instead of an up down motion, which makes sense. Get with the program. The CD program. I got to say, I really did like the white noise generator. Oh, yeah. They turned that on for this. That helped me. Yeah, I, I, I did feel very immersed, but... I think by necessity to do this stuff, you are on the border of sleep. And so it's so easy just to cross over that border as I did. Yeah. When I came up out of it, I felt like I had had 20 minutes of experience. And I think the total time we were under was like an hour and 15 minutes, Mm. if I remember checking my watch correctly. So been a good chunk of that asleep. I don't think I ever went totally asleep. But obviously, these visions are basically lucid dreams. But yeah, they're in that in-between sleep state. So we also learned that if you black out, that's actually a good sign. I don't think we had heard this before. Yeah, that did seem new to me, that that's encouraged. So it's like you do the exercise where you're picturing yourself coming out of your body. Mm -hmm. Then you'll often go into blackout for a period and then find yourself in another realm or in a memory or whatever. Oh, okay. Yeah, I felt like this was kind of key information. Yeah, it it felt like the message of these two days was kind of anything out of the ordinary is good because the helpers can use that. And people have had really good experiences when they've done something as drastic as blacking out or Mm -hmm. whatever it may be that, you know, those things when you sort of give up control can help you move along. Well, Macaulay started out with the door, but fell asleep, came back, did the tank, had trouble staying with it, went into blackout, went back to the tank, and then he had cool visuals of the tank. We were top students this time. Why do you say well, that? I don't know, just like, we, oh, were, we, we were at least with the we program. <laughs> it's like every time I'm super worried to share what happened to me, because oh. it always just seems like not quite enough. And it's so hard, like, it's so subjective. How do you say like, oh, you did it wrong. Right. And so every single time she would say, oh, that's really interesting. Oh, that's good. And there would always be some way to interpret whatever you did as good progress. Right. 
And so I would feel nervous going into it. And then I realized like we're all in the same boat. We've all taken these multiple classes and I'm worried that other people have been doing more practice or that, you know, you think by CDP four, we should all be really good at this. Yeah. And after two and a half years of dithering, we'd be like really talented out of body experiencers. But no, everyone's in the same boat as us. Yeah. And instead we're like, oh my God, I got my arm out. And they're like jealous. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But Macaulay said, I went to some kind of deep shift. And he also meditated while he was in that place. And he, he was also, a big meditator. He'd talk about that a lot. And he also snored and had to have his foot tapped. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what we're warned. Like, if you snore, I will come by and tap your tap foot. Tap your foot. Yeah, so the woman next to me, gun lady, she was <laughs> frustrated because she hadn't been out yet. And she started, like, kind of complaining about it being mm-hmm. like i feel like i should have by now what am i doing wrong With the implication here? of what are you going to do about this maria <laughs> i don't know it just came out <laughs> to me as a reasonable frustration okay <laughs> i don't know she didn't tell maria to do anything i can imagine being frustrated if you really believe this stuff and you're paying 130 dollars yeah. each class nothing's ded- happening dedicating your weekends instead of playing nintendo wii But by the end of this weekend, we'll get an idea of why she is so frustrated. Another little thing we learned from Maria is that flying is fun, but (laughs) after a while, you know, it's like driving. The first time you drive when you're young, it's really exciting. And then after a while, it becomes a chore. She said the same thing happens with flying out of your body. Not even a big deal. All right. Yeah. I learned that I may have been a Shaolin monk in a past life because my velo often wants to go outside my body in like a loop instead of going up, down, up, down, up, down. Sometimes it wants to go in this sort of circular motion outside my body. And that was one of the other class attendees who pointed that out. Yeah, yeah. So this one woman said, oh, well, you know, that is a technique used in certain faiths and you may have been a Shaolin monk in a past life. All right. How does that make you feel? I doubt it, but it'd be cool. Sure. I'm sure it's all true. So someone asked Maria, what's the difference between blackout and sleep? And she said, well, in blackout, there's no dreams, no thoughts. It's just a pause. And you may totally lack your sense of self. And you suddenly come to and you feel like, where was I? Oh. Where was I? I think that would have been me because I don't remember having any dreams. Okay. Though and- I did have a dream about you the night before. I forgot to tell you about. Oh, okay. I dreamed that you were... Getting married to a very young boy. Oh, no. Wait, who claimed to be Jesus. Oh. And you thought this was very entertaining that you were going to be marrying this young, apparent, returned Christ. Oh, he was like six or seven or something. Oh, Jesus. I don't know. Dreams are weird. Yeah. Yep. And I just remember being there at the ceremony. I didn't think there was anything wrong about you marrying the young boy. It's just that like you're doing this as a lark and he's very serious about this, Carrie. I don't know if this is a good idea. But listen, Ross... I'm if Ross. you get out of your body, do not go near your actual body because the no. energy density will suck you back in like a black hole. Good warning. Thank you. Yeah. No prop. Well, that was it for CDP4 part one. That was our Saturday. Yeah. And then we drove back to your place to record Indian food. Rhythmia. Oh, yeah. And we had Indian food. That was good. Yeah. And then around midnight, I left on a lift to get back home. <laughs> Yeah, these are packed weekends. Indeed. Well, listen, that's it for our show. Our theme music is by Brian Keith Dalton. This episode was edited by Victor Figueroa. Our administrative manager is Ian Kramer. You can support this and all our investigations by going to MaximumFun.org forward slash donate. Yes, please. Also tell your friends, tell your local congressman. Tell your lover. Make sure everyone knows about Ono, Ross, and Carrie. Yeah. And you can go to iTunes, leave us a positive review there. You can also go to facebook.com forward slash O-N-R-A-C. That is where you will find pictures. That is where you will find articles. That's where you'll find all kinds of things and you can get involved. Exactly. And you can also tweet at us at Ono Podcast. O-H-N-O-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. And remember, existential mentors equals evolutionary orientors equals evolutionologists. Student hat. Welcome. Thank you. No problem. These are real podcast listeners, not actors. 
What do you look for in a podcast? Reliability is big for me. Power. I'd say comfort. What do you think of this? Oh. That's Jordan Jesse Go. Jordan Jesse Go? They came out of the floor? And down from the ceiling? That can't be safe. I'm upset. Can we go now? Soon. Jordan Jesse Go, a real podcast. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.